Welcome to the Lift Podcast, where you'll discover how to achieve your goals by lifting others. I'm Richard Newman, keynote speaker, coach, author, and award-winning speechwriter. If you want to lead a more fulfilling life, this podcast will give you the tools to transform your career, mindset, and relationships. Join me and my esteemed guests as we explore the power of Lift. Hello and welcome to the Lift podcast, where we explore how you can achieve your goals by lifting others. I'm Richard Newman, your host, and today I'm really excited and very inspired to be introducing you to Siri Lindley. Now, if you haven't met Siri before, Siri is a two-time world champion. Uh, Siri is also a coach of world champions and Olympic medalists. She's an author, a survivor, and thriver. And that already gives us a tremendous amount to be speaking about. But beyond that, she also runs the Believe Ranch, where they rescue horses. And just a few years ago, she was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia, given just a 10% chance of survival. And today, she is cancer-free. I'm sure you'll agree this is going to be an incredibly uplifting and moving conversation. Siri, thank you so much for being here with me today. Oh, Richard, it's such a blessing to be here with you. So thank you for having me on the show. And today, is actually a very special day. It was two years ago today at this exact time that I was being given life with my bone marrow transplant. So Richard, I'm so happy to share this moment together with you and, and thank you for having me on this incredible show. Well, it's it's so uh, wonderful to, to know that you are healthy today because of what happened two years ago uh, today. And I wonder if maybe we start there because I'm sure this will be a really important journey for sh- uh, to share with people who maybe have faced serious challenges in their life. What was that like for you? What sort of strategies did you lean into to survive and to thrive through such a challenging experience? I think I, all the experiences that I've had throughout my life I feel were there to prepare me for this, which was the the greatest challenge I've ever been faced with. And I would have to say that the most important moment was the moment when I got the diagnosis and I was in my kitchen. My wife, who I love more than anything, was standing beside me. My doctor calls. He tells me, I have acute myeloid leukemia with a genetic mutation that's going to make it really difficult to treat. And my wife just starts wailing, like like crying, tears pouring down her face. And it's like in this moment, I knew that I had to make a decision and I had to go first. Like everyone's sounding like, this is the end. This is the end. My wife thinks she's losing me. And I had to go first and say, no, this is not my time to go. I am going to survive and I'm going to thrive. So everybody get on board with this. Like I made the decision. And, and what that meant is, is I, you know, when I say go first, it means you get to go first in deciding what's possible for you. You get to decide what you're capable of. You get to decide what any experience means to you. And I wasn't going to make this the end. And I just kept saying to myself, okay, this is happening because I'm meant to learn something from this. I'm meant to grow. I'm I'm meant to become something through this that's going to allow me to live the purpose that I have in my heart. 
So that was the key number number one, is not just deciding that regardless of how horrible this looked, that I was going to find a way to survive it. And that meant that every everything I focused on, every action I took, every decision I made was with that outcome in mind. And so at that point, it became all about disciplining my focus in every moment. And no matter how sick I got, you know, I remember being in the hospital and you know, 25 pounds lighter than I am today, machines hooked up next to me, so sick, so exhausted, so terrified. And I'd be locked in those thoughts and I'd think, Siri, thinking about how sick you feel, how weak you feel, how scared you are, that's not going to help you heal. So I would change the channel to focusing on gratitude. Like I had an umbilical cord donor, my sister as my donor, amazing doctors, my family who loved me. My mom slept in the hospital for over a month. Like, And gratitude, just changing the channel to finding something to appreciate gave me hope, gave me energy, and kept me going. So all the tools that you think about that we need in business, that we need in sports, tools to reframe challenges, tools to you know, find hope when there doesn't seem to be any. I had to use everything that I had acquired over the years in, in everything that I'd done and in literally in every single moment. I was disciplining my thoughts and giving everything that was happening a meaning that served me, a meaning that gave me strength. So that's why I'm here today. And, you know, I feel so blessed. And I know sometimes I'm over the top with this, but if you've ever come close to you're not having life anymore, or you know someone that has come close, like when you are blessed with a miracle, basically, like every moment, every breath is a miracle. Every breath is a gift. And um, so many wonderful things came out of this, Richard, that I'm so grateful for. And I think that hopefully all of you listening can look back at one of the hardest, toughest challenges of your life. And if you look back at it now, in search of the gift in it, you will find it. And I certainly mm. have done that with this. Yeah, that's so many um, amazing insights and golden nuggets to bring out of that that I'm sure people can relate to and, and start to apply in their own lives. I love how you say every breath is a gift. And it, you know, even just in that statement where you know people... In, in their own ways, in, in smaller ways, perhaps, uh, people have been through so many struggles over this last couple of years where uh, countries were shutting down, people were being locked at home, uh, companies had tremendous uncertainty, people were being made redundant. And in those moments, uh, as you said, you've got to think about, I need to be first to make the decision about what is going to be possible for me and for the people around me. I love that. And uh, to, to focus on gratitude, to think about changing the channel, such a powerful message when in the media there can be so much negativity 
uh, so much that is coming into our minds telling us that things are going in the wrong direction and things will never be good again. And so just being able to shift that channel, sometimes turning that off and turning on a better channel in your mind uh, can really start us moving in that better direction. So uh, it's really wonderful to hear it from you, particularly because you've been through such an incredible challenge and, and proven that you can apply these and, and come out the other side. So let's now go right back to the beginning uh, of this story. Uh, to when you're 23 years old, and you decide to start committing yourself to being uh, an athlete in the triathlon. Can you tell us what it's like to have that, that journey to becoming a world champion and the mindset that that really requires? Yeah, it, well, what's interesting is before then, I was a field hockey, ice hockey, and lacrosse player. So I had no background in swim, bike, run. And actually, when I fell in love with the sport, I didn't even know how to swim. I fell in love watching <laughs> a friend doing triathlon. I thought, my God, this is there were people of all ages and sizes and ability levels, but they all just looked so alive, you know, trying to discover their their potential. And so I fell in love with the sport. And at the time, I had just discovered that I was gay and my father rejected me because of it. He didn't talk to me for two years. And so I was like on this desperate mission to prove to myself that I was a worthy human being, regardless of the fact that I was gay, that I could achieve great things, that I could inspire other people. So I had... When people talk about your why, you know, why do you do? Why do you chase this goal that is so important to you? My why was wanting to find a love for myself, a respect for myself so that I could have the things that I dreamed about in my life. And so a lot of things were required. I think one of the first things that I realized because I was so terrible in this sport and, and I truly did, it was ridiculous, but I had the dream of becoming a world champion I needed to become someone willing to fail um, because I knew that I was going to fail over and over and over again and that I could not give up because of that. And so I decided that failing was going to be where I grew. Failing was going to be where I learned the most powerful lessons and that is how I was going to make the progress necessary to one day become a world champion. And I, I went all in. I said, I will do this until I achieve my goal. I don't care if I'm 100 years old, which it's not likely at 100 I would become a world champion. But that's how committed I was. And so the mindset was in knowing that every single day, I need to train six to eight hours. I need to tackle my weaknesses. I need to learn how to swim. I need to create a team around me and a culture around me that supports the craziness of what I was trying to achieve. And just that mindset of, if I can just be better than I was the day before, that's gonna give me the confidence to keep moving forward. And so not comparing myself, not judging myself, you know, knowing that I needed to fail in order to succeed. I truly believe that in life, that if you're not willing to fail, you're not actually not willing to succeed because you can't succeed without having failed along the way. So I think all these things, but um, it really 
it's such a powerful experience. It was eight years of pushing my pain threshold and overcoming so many fears, so many doubts, um, but never stopping believing in this dream that I had. But all the tools and the strategies that I learned along the way, I truly believe were what helped me survive today from an even greater challenge. And, and uh, yeah, I, I think in a, in a nutshell, <laughs> that would be it. Yeah, I think there's so many uh, lessons actually we can learn from overcoming physical challenges that then we can apply that to the mental challenges that we have uh, day after day in in relationships, in our work, in our career. Uh, and you've really exemplified that. And uh, I, I love the message that you said in there about wanting to find love for yourself, which I think is such an important message today where, you know, so many people talk about this with social media where we, people can find themselves comparing themselves, judging themselves based and what they see of uh, this sort of airbrushed world that other people are, are placing on social media. I, I wonder for anybody who is listening to this who may be wondering, well, you know, how do you, when you're feeling tired, when you're feeling like it's taking so long and still feels so out of reach that the dreams that you're aspiring to do, how do you lift yourself? How do you elevate yourself on the hardest days when you wake up and you feel like I just can't do it one more day? What do you do then? Such a great question. And, and I think you need to look at how do you typically, what rules do you have as far as what has to happen for you to feel successful? If for me, becoming a world champion would mean I was successful, I would have never made it there because it wasn't going to happen for a long, long time, if at all. And if those were my rules, I would never feel successful and I would eventually give up. But I make it easy for myself to feel successful in that if I know that I have done the best that I could with what I have in that moment or on that day, then that's success for me. Some days that's not going to look really inspiring. But if I did the best that I could with what I had, that is a victory for me. And when you build upon those small successes, and the key is really, and you mentioned it again, Richard, you cannot compare yourself not only to others, but for example, you know, I, I just had a bionic hip put in. Okay, I don't like to call it a hip wow. replacement, a bionic hip. And I started walking. Now, if I kept comparing myself to when I ran 33 minutes for a 10K, I would be so discouraged and I'd give up on trying to be fit. But instead, I look at where am I now? Accept where you are now on this path, whether it's to a fitness goal or a career goal. Accept and embrace where you are now and get excited about where you're headed and just focus on if you can be a little bit better tomorrow than you were yesterday, that's success. That's progress. And because what we realize at the end, Richard, is that when you achieve that ultimate goal or you get to that ultimate fitness or health or whatever it is that you're after, it's not that moment or that, that you know, you get to the top of the mountain. You're going to look back and it's not that that means everything. It's everything you had to go through, who you had to become to achieve that is what is most important. So I think just really stay present 
Don't think about where you were in the past. Don't think about where you should be in the future. Just focus on where you are now. Do the best that you can with what you have today. And if you do that, you're going to find it a lot easier to uh, experience the success that we all make every single day. Just getting out of bed is success, right? So be kinder with yourself and, and make, make the rules so that you make it easier for yourself to feel good and harder to feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a great uh, motto for people to start doing, to be, to really be kinder to themselves uh, and also to, to embrace that with being kinder towards the people around them as well. Less rules of what is good or bad based on the, the teams that people may be leading or the relationships that people may be in. And suddenly that's a profound uh, ripple effect. And uh, I love a few messages that you mentioned in there. First one that I think is key is accepting where you are now. I think there's a lot of people they're berating themselves or others or their company or their team based on where they happen to be. Uh, and you've got to accept it in order to, to move forwards and get excited about the future. And I absolutely agree with you that, that the moment of success of getting to the top of the mountain, whatever that may be for you, is only valuable because of everything you had to overcome to get there and, and looking back and seeing the journey that you have taken, knowing every single step that you made uh, to reach that. So it's, it's really the looking back through that rather than looking at the top of the mountain that, that makes you feel uh, so, so proud. Uh, I, I wanted to know a bit more about uh, how you uh, would uh, take this into coaching people, because uh, I know that you, you coach people who are you know, world champions, Olympic medalists, but also uh, people going for various other challenges uh, they want to uh, overcome in their lives. What is your principle of approaching how to lift or elevate others to the best version of themselves? I believe wholeheartedly that it starts in the understanding that only you can decide what story you want to live, what you want a challenge to mean to you. You create every experience that you have. If we look at COVID, yeah, that was, it's a horrible, horrible thing that happened, but we can choose to focus on all the horrible things that happened, what you couldn't do, what it denied you of, or you get to choose, you get to go first in saying, but, I spent so much time with my family. I got to make some changes in my house that I've wanted to do for a long, long time. I realized that I can be patient because I had to de develop patience. I realized that I could find joy in small things. Let's celebrate the good that came out of that time rather than dwelling on the pain and the suffering that we experienced because of it. Because if we are, you, you are responsible for how you feel about every single thing that happens to you in your life, and you can choose to live a story that is sad and a bit of a tragedy, or you can choose to live a story that is uplifting and inspiring and character building, but that is up to you. You have to go first in writing deciding what story you want to live and then acting accordingly. At first, it may be difficult. It might be difficult to live differently than you have for a long time, 
But just like anything, just like getting fit in the gym, you don't just go once and you're fit for life. You go every day and you build the strength and you build the repetition and you become good at it and you get to choose. So what I really like to to do is say all the power is in your hands, Richard. Life isn't happening to you. You know, experiences aren't happening to you. It's how you are responding and reacting and the meaning that you're giving these things. Let's start giving everything that happens to us an empowering meaning. Even if you're going through a struggle, what's good about any struggle? We build character. We build strength. We learn something new about ourselves. We become something that we weren't before. So I really try to direct people back to the power that is within you already and putting the onus on you to create the life that you dream of, not waiting for it to happen, but you get to create, you get to decide what's possible for you. You get to decide what you're capable of and really reminding people that that is in your hands. You have everything you need inside of you already, but it is time to tap into that and take charge of your life and make it what you dream it to be. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And I love what you're saying there about only you get to decide the story that you want to live. And I imagine that you may get some clients uh, coming to you for coaching where they might be an athlete where you know you can see a great potential in them and perhaps you notice there's a story and maybe a limiting story that is holding them back and also potentially there could be some people listening to this who who see that in their teams in the people around them where they see such great potential in these people and they just notice daily that that person has a, a story or a belief that is that is holding them back from being all that they could be. Uh, what sort of strategy would you give someone to, to start a conversation there to help that person uh, move forward to break the cycle of that old story and to move into a new one? I think first off is really the awareness of the story. Some people are living this story, but they're not really aware of what it is or where it came from. So it's revealing what that story is and how it is affecting their lives in in every aspect of their lives. And from there, re-narrating that story to not only align with what matters most to that person, like what matters most to you, Richard, you look at this story you've been telling yourself, it's not helping you live the life that you really authentically want to live to create whatever you want to create. So we need to re-narrate that story so that it aligns with your truth, with the truth of, and we can always take a story. And most of the time it's something that happened when we're a five-year-old and we believe still whatever we believed as a five-year-old and we bring that into our lives and it affects everything that we do. So just understanding where it came from, how it has held you back in your life, we can then re-narrate it and then condition that new story. And as they start feeling the effect of living that different story, and again, at first, it feels different. It feels like you're learning how to walk, and, and but <laughs> you're not going to just give up and decide, you know, baby doesn't give up and say, oh, I guess I'm not going to walk. 
you just keep at it and it becomes your new story and then your life starts changing because of it. So, but you're absolutely right. It's, it's recognizing the story, where it came from, how it's negatively affecting you and now re-narrating it to be able to tap into all the potential that is inside of you. Mm. Yeah, I like how you described there's there's really a bedding in of that new story because the old story feels like this comfortable, warm blanket that we've been living in for so long. And it's hard to put that to one side and, and and start to live out that new story. But just one step at a time, one day at a time, we can start to do so. Uh, I'd like to talk about, uh, because you do such a great job of, of lifting people through, through your coaching, but also through your speaking is uh, that uh, you know, I've witnessed you speaking to people in, in virtual meetings, slightly bigger than the average one that uh, people might be uh, dealing with day to day. But I work with clients who sometimes they, they get quite nervous about needing to speak in front of maybe 200, 300, 500 people on a virtual call and wanting to engage them. Uh, now, I believe that uh, Tony Robbins has talked about you being one of the top 10 motivational speakers on the planet that he uh, relies on to inspire people. And from what I've seen, I think uh, uh, that you have hosted or spoken on a virtual call where you're engaging 800,000 people from around the world at one time. So, uh, so what sort of preparation do you have in order to make sure that you can be your best self in that moment to lift so many people? Wow. When you talk about that now, I get goosebumps. My heart starts pounding. I start getting sweaty. The biggest thing is to remember this isn't about me. You know, I, I've been asked to speak because there's something that I can share that can touch another person's life. And so it is bringing myself back out of my head and just saying, I just want to be a gift. I just, I just want to be a gift to these people listening and I want to come from my heart. So again, it's stay out of the past, stay out of the future about, oh my God, it's not about me. It's about how can I be a blessing to these beautiful souls that have decided to be here in this moment. But I mean, I, I never had plans to go into public speaking. It, it kind of just happened without me even having it as a thought. And so it was really scary the first time I had to get on stage and do it. But that's exactly what I said to myself, Siri, this isn't about you doing a good job or not. This is about what gift can you share with these people? But I have to say that before every time I get on stage or in front of a virtual audience, my heart is pounding my palms are sweating. I have goosebumps all over my body. And instead of looking at that and saying, oh my God, I'm going to mess up. I think, okay, I'm ready. I know I'm ready because this matters to me. And so all these things that I'm feeling, the pounding heart means that I'm ready. And just that shift in the meaning that you give those pre- talk nerves, pre-meeting nerves will change everything for you. If you just reframe what that means, it means you're ready. It means that you are, you know, primed and ready to deliver at the highest level. Um, but again, that's up to you to give it a meaning that serves you rather than derails you. Hmm. Uh, I, I really like so many pieces that you've shared there. Firstly, that you said uh, that it's not about 
you, it's really about the audience, the person that you're speaking to, the people that you're speaking to, and having that focus outwards to to truly connect uh, with them. I think that's a wonderful way to get out of that sense of self-consciousness and really, truly connected uh, with those people. Uh, you, you mentioned there being a gift to the people in the room, which I think is a great way of framing that sense, uh, again, to get away from your own head and thinking about what will I say and what's on the next slide, uh, what happens if... Uh, if I stumble, that sense of really being a gift is a wonderful intention to drive forward uh, the way that you'll interact with that audience. I also like the phrase that you said of I'm ready. Uh, so many people will stumble over those. So the nerves come up, the heart go, goes, and maybe the little voice in our head says, leave the building. I don't want to be here anymore. Can somebody else do this? Uh, and instead to be able to say to that voice, I'm ready. This means I'm ready is a, a wonderful way uh, to go forwards. Uh, have you got any thoughts for people in terms of uh, engaging and, and lifting an audience where, as you say, that you sort of uh, stumbled in a way into this role of speaking and now you're on the biggest stages and the biggest scale of hybrid meetings that now people could have where, you know, we will be involved with coaching people through hybrid meetings where there's maybe a dozen people on the screen and a dozen people in the room. I think you've done it where there's thousands on the screen and hundreds in the room or maybe thousands in the room too. So uh, do you have any thoughts too about how to make sure that you are connecting with people who may be uh, on the screen with you, who are in the room? Do you do anything different to elevate their state? I would say you want to come come in in a good state one of the things and this mm. relates to athletics as well I, I never forget coaching my athletes and the ones that are standing on the start line like this before the gun goes off they're not breathing they're stiff they're not moving I'm like oh they're gonna have a terrible swim but those that are moving around and taking big deep breaths I usually do a little breath practice before I go on a, a little prayer it's just what I do um, but coming in in a good state, make sure you've been taking in oxygen, make sure you've been moving around because then when it's time to go, you're in state already. And I think that the most important thing for me, I want the audience to be able to relate. And I remember as a college student, I had severe anxiety and OCD and nobody ever spoke about fear or anxiety or OCD. And I truly thought I was the only person on the planet that was crazy like this. And so it's so important to me to express my vulnerabilities, to express my fears, my worries, you know, times that I've suffered so that people know they're not alone. And because that matters so much to me, I think I always say, just come from your heart, trust that whatever you are getting up there to share, it's already within you. You're being asked to share it because it is you. It is a part of you. Don't get in your mind because that will make it seem more rehearsed. Just speak, speak from your heart what you know is inside of you. And when you do that, you can really create a really strong connection right off the bat because you're not reading off a paper. You're not reading something you've rehearsed. You're just being. And so I think that's one of the most important things is just be you and don't hold back on sharing you with the people that you're speaking to because that's the gift. 
Mm. I, I like this message of expressing your vulnerabilities. And I think that, you know, one of the gifts that we've had out of the pandemic is with virtual working, we've suddenly seen people away from their corporate armor, three-piece suits and perfect glassy, shiny buildings and seen them in their home with their children behind them and a cat wandering in front of them. And uh, there they are casual in their shorts or something. Uh, and that ability to connect with people on that level, even though we couldn't be physically with each other, I think that has allowed us this opening now to uh, to communicate with that greater vulnerability. And, and I'm really hopeful for people that will continue as people are venturing back into their offices of knowing that it's okay not to be perfect. And just as you said it there, great message that people then suddenly know they're not alone. Rather than seeing the perfect and the polished version uh, of someone, they get to see, oh, okay, well, look, hey, the CEO of this company is not perfect and feels nervous about this situation. And that's okay. I now feel like this is a human being that I'm working with uh, and there's a greater sense of uh, of connection. Absolutely. Uh, I'd love to, uh, to also dive into um, just briefly talking about health and fitness because you mentioned there, get into state before you, if you're going to lift other people, you've got to lift your state before you do so. And uh, because you've gone on this journey of not knowing how to swim to then being uh, a World Cup world champion uh, in triathlon where, you know, I, I've done triathlons at a very amateur level. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, I know what it's like having to get in the water with 50 people sort of kicking me in the face and elbowing me as we're all scrambling to try and get around a lake together. So it's not an easy environment to be swimming. And you went there from not knowing how to do it to begin with. So if people are thinking about, okay, I really want to lift my state, I want to get to a place where I am therefore able to lift others. Do you have any advice on getting started on that health and fitness journey? Absolutely. And I think more than ever, and not even looking back at my career in athletics, I just realized over the last two years that health is everything. I mean, truly, when you don't have your health, you can't do the things you want to do in your business. You can't do the things you want to do with your kids or with your family. Like without your health, you have nothing. And I don't say that to, to scare you, but it's just true. And so over these last two years, I created actually, because I thought about all the people that maybe say, oh, I'm not an athlete, so I don't work out. I'm not an athlete. Well, you don't have to be an athlete. And I believe anybody that decides to step up and take charge of their health becomes an athlete, whether they're out running a race or just going out and walking every day. But my wife and I created this Syrian Beck squad. And actually, I would love to give away, Richard, I just thought about this, but we have a seven-day fitness challenge. And it's four people that maybe haven't worked out for 20 years or maybe don't enjoy working out or don't feel like they're an athlete. It is 15 minutes a day and we make it really fun. You don't need any equipment. If you have equipment, great, but you could do it right here in your own office. And it's you become a part of a community on, on Facebook. Everybody, after they do the 15 workout, they post a video and they say, boom, Anyways, I started this just kind of actually Melissa Etheridge, who's an unbelievable rock star, 
um, called me and said, I'm on tour and I just feel like I want to get fitter so that I can hold my notes longer and I can perform night after night. And I said, well, I'll set you up with 15 minutes a day. And my wife was thinking, 15 minutes isn't going to do it. That's not going to be enough. And I said, I just feel like if I create it a certain way that this is going to work. And it changed everything for her. She was calling me and saying, I don't think I've ever held my notes that long and I feel great. So we started sending it out to her Etheridge Nation, which is her fan base. And we were getting notes from people that were off their diabetes medication, off their pain medication. They dropped 60 to 70 pounds over a six month period. And the results were just out of this world. But most importantly to me, um, they had more energy, which is what you're talking about. You need to be in a good state to deliver in front of your team at work or in front of the people you're speaking to. It was this change in energy, this greater self-confidence, of course, the, the weight loss and the getting off of the pain meds and diabetes medicate, all of that was amazing, but the results have been incredible. So I would love to offer that to your listeners. Um, it's called the Sirius Squad, Sirian Beck Squad, seven day free challenge, 15 minutes. And you do it at your level, wherever you are, it might be walking in place and then you add a little effort. It's but tons of fun. I'm really proud of it. Um, it just kind of, again, was created without intention, but has ended up being, we all need our health and don't wait for a diagnosis to start caring about taking care of your body. You must have your health to do all the things you dream of doing. And if that means taking 15 minutes to back yourself and do what's right for you and the people that you love, you can do it. And I'm here to, to help you. That's tremendous. And, and to do that in just 15 minutes per day, who can't find 15 minutes per day uh, with all the challenges and priorities that people have 15 minutes per day to, to transform your life? Well, that, well, that's amazing. So if anybody gets uh, in touch uh, after today's uh, podcast, you can email me richard at ukbodytalk.com. I'll send uh, you to the right place. Uh, so, so thank you, Siri, so much uh, for that offer. I think that's incredible. And, and like you say, it just, it creates those, those little shifts that you can do each day and you never know what you could, uh, achieve. So I think that's a brilliant place to, uh, to, to bring things towards a close as a wonderful way for people to start moving forwards, to lift themselves, then lift others and have an incredible ripple effect from putting into place all of the strategies and ideas that you've highlighted here. Uh, Siri, if people want to get in touch with you after today's show, where's the best place for people to find you and, and the work that you do? You can find me. I have a website, sirilinley.com. I am on Instagram at sirilinley, Facebook at sirilinley. And yeah, just you can find me pretty much all over the place, but I would love to welcome you into my world. Um, and I'd love to see all of you again sometime. And Richard, I just want to thank you for all the wonderful work you do in this world. You're such an incredible bright light and the work you do is just so impactful. And I feel so grateful to be on your show and to share this time with you. So thank you for being you. 
Oh, Siri, thank you so much. And thank you for this wonderful conversation. I've really enjoyed it. I'm sure that everyone listening feels deeply uplifted by it. And I encourage you, if you're listening to this, start taking some action on what you've heard today. Uh, it's been my pleasure to have you here, Siri. Thank you so much. And I look forward to uh, hosting uh, you, the audience here on the next Lift podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs>